to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Kirsty Rollins and Groves, an exercise specialist who supports men with prostate cancer in preparing for and recovering from treatment. She's a program manager at Prehab for Cancer, an exercise, nutrition, and well-being scheme run through the NHS in Greater Manchester. And she's here to speak with me today about the impact programs like hers have on men living with prostate cancer. Kirsty, thanks so much for joining me today. It's really great to have you. Oh, no problem. It's really good to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited to learn more about what you do because um, I can see from the website that Prehab for Cancer has won all kinds of awards and just seems to be a really fantastic program that a lot of clients that go through it are just really excited about. So I'm delighted that you're here and let's just dive right in. And one of the top questions I have is about the way you work with cancer patients. Um, And I'm really interested if you can tell us specifically what is the difference between prehab and rehab? Yeah, sure. So um, everybody knows the word rehab. It's quite a common state of affairs in a lot of walks of life. And prehab is sort of its new cousin that has come along. So we work with newly diagnosed cancer patients in Greater Manchester, just on free tumor groups at the moment, but we are looking to expand. And the prehab is basically the preparation for the physiological, but also the psychological challenges of cancer treatments and or surgeries that people face when they are diagnosed. So the prehab is sort of like preparation. And we always um, use the analogy of you wouldn't run a marathon without any training. Mm -hmm. And think of the impact of cancer treatments and surgeries. The physiological impact on a a body can be akin to something as big as a a marathon sort of thing. So it's all about the the optimization of the body to go through that treatment or surgery. The three things that we focus on in our program is nutrition, exercise and well-being. But there's also things like medical optimization. So making sure that blood pressure and iron levels are correct. There's pharmacological optimization and then. And also like smoking and alcohol cessation and support for that sort of optimization. And then, like I said, the rehab is what comes after the treatments and the surgeries. So it's getting people back to their pre-diagnosis fitness or even higher than that, um, getting people back to work, getting people back to just coping with their everyday life, which sometimes can, can be a bit of a challenge, in, especially in active treatment and, and directly straight after surgery. Indeed. And as we've spoken about before, prostate cancer presents particular challenges around sexual health, around urinary continence and mental health, which I know you you mentioned a few minutes ago. How has your program helped men with with these particular challenges? In one of my previous roles in in a rehab program, the particular challenge of of urinary incontinence and, and mental health came up a lot with the gentleman that came through our prostate referral pathway. For the exercise point of view, obviously, we all know that exercise, like the exercise high, so it releases those happy hormones. Mm-hmm. So people were getting a buzz from that and feeling better um, because of that sort of reaction that exercise can do in, in rehab. But also from the well-being, they got the chance to have some peer support. So there were groups where they could all exercise together. They could talk, they could chat They could compare notes on their treatments and their side effects and just get a bit of peer support that way and and just talk to other men going through the same thing Mm -hmm. and talk about how they were feeling. 
And then also it gives people confidence and confidence in their own bodies. When you are set a challenge, an exercise challenge, and then you notice that your body can do it, it really improves somebody's well-being to achieve goals that way. And then we also look from the exercise perspective on how we can help with side effects of treatment. So we know deep core control and pelvic floor exercises can help with some sexual health and some urinary incontinence issues. So we build them into the program as well. So we look at the side effects and we try and pick the exercises that we know are going to try to help with those side effects. But also, I think just openly discussing with them on that prostate pathway from, from the rehab program, just recognizing that, yes, it is a side effect. Other people are going through it and we can try to help by putting in certain things, like say, like the deep core control, the pelvic floor exercises, the breathing exercises. So, so, yeah, I'd say that was probably how we helped most. No, it sounds fantastic. And I completely take your point about um, just even vocalizing these things. And if that's done through a medium like like exercise or, you know, core strengthening programs, that's absolutely fantastic. I guess one of the questions I would have is um, how personalized are these programs? In the current program and, and in the past, every patient gets a full makeup. So a full makeup of assessments. And from that, we then design the best tailored exercise program for that individual so it's not a one size fits all by any means okay at the moment in remote delivery like we are at the moment due to covid restrictions we design a tailored home exercise program that every patient gets and then patients can also be categorized into a level so level one level two or level three and then they're directed to the exercise classes that most suit that level so they can still get that peer support because they're going on to online exercise classes mm-hmm. but they all still get a tailored home exercise pack which looks at functional capacity their aerobic fitness as well as their strength and their core Okay. And something else that I always find interesting with um, programs that help men open up about how they're feeling and, as you say, their well-being is is actually the role of their partners, because we often find that it's it's the partners of our patients that play a critical role in their other halves, health and care. And this is often around motivation and et cetera, et cetera. Um, have, you, have you seen this? And, and if so, how how have you addressed it? Yeah, so um, in previous roles, we see this a lot and we see it currently. I've also been the partner of a cancer patient. Um, so I have, I have really good knowledge of the, how that partner becomes the care navigator, the administrator. Mm-hmm. They keep track of every single piece of paper and every single appointment. So we know that it's, it's a real valued resource that we can tap into. If we can get the partner involved and get them motivating the patient and encouraging the patient, we know that the patient is more likely going to enjoy it because Uh Uh we sometimes get partners involved as in they do the exercise as well. Um, If we bring them into the gym, they get the the free gym membership just as as the person affected with cancer does. Great. Really both enjoy it and both do it. And also it gives that little bit of well-being to the carer as well, because I think sometimes they're overlooked. So they're expected to do the care navigation, the administration. So it also gives um, it gives the carer and or the partner that that role of, oh, it's something that I can do as well for me and they and they can get the benefit. So it's definitely an untapped resource that we unashamedly tap into. Have you ever uh, seen partners being competitive? 
Yes, yeah, we, we, have, we, we see that a lot, um, especially in the gyms, if they were side by side on a bike or a treadmill or a rowing machine, um, there's definitely some competition there. If the person responds well to that, then we encourage it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have come up against the other side of that coin, though, where the partners or carers are a bit overprotective and want to wrap their significant other up in cotton wool a little bit. Um, and the thought of exercise, especially if somebody's going through active treatment, can be very, very scary for, for a partner or a carer. They're the ones that see behind closed door how much that treatment is affecting that person. And so sometimes we have to do a lot of education with the partners and carers about the benefits and why it's so important. Okay. And, um, you know, which leads me to another question, which is about personal control, particularly in a man with with prostate cancer, because, you know, a diagnosis often brings with it a loss of control. And that can be devastating for anybody. And and particularly for men, we we see that anyway. So I'm wondering how your programs bring back that sense of personal control, you know, through exercise and and through the the well-being and nutrition workshops. We always hear of of experiences of it's a bit of a whirlwind. There's, you know, you're you're getting called for appointment after appointment, and everybody wants blood, and everybody wants to take a scan, and and it's a bit like being on a conveyor belt, and everybody's prodding and poking and getting their own bit of that person. Mm-hmm. As an exercise specialist, whenever I've met any cancer patient, it's always I feel my job to put a stop on all that and ask them. Do they understand why exercise has been suggested for one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In that whirlwind of information that gets given out, you know, they, they, they get sent everywhere. So they might not even remember that exercise was offered. And in that conversation, we then speak about what it is that they want. If they rate their health three out of 10, how, how can we increase it? How can we, how can we put that up? And it's usually things really simple, like, they just want to be able to climb up the stairs a bit easier or they don't want to get out of breath when they're running down the stairs or something like that. So okay. we give control by setting their goals and then okay. we put what they want first. Yes, we always have one eye on making sure we're doing our best to improve the outcomes, but it's very much based around what their aim is and what their goal is and then that gives them that control it's something that they can do for themselves and it's only themselves that can do this we can't give them a treatment which is going to make them fitter unfortunately Mm. we can't give them a surgery which is going to improve um, their fitness really but they can do it for themselves you know they they're the ones that have to wake up in the morning and think right when am I going to fit my exercise in So I think that's how they take control as well, because there's nobody else who can do this type of intervention apart from them. Yeah, indeed. So given your experience working with with men living with prostate cancer, are there any obvious gaps in their care that you've seen or you currently see? And what advice would you have for men at both diagnosis and pre and post treatment? So I think the obvious gap in their care, I think, is the mental well-being side. Unfortunately, I think it's a it's a gap in most cancer care, um, just because of the way the services are stretched. And I think with the prostate cancer pathways that I've worked in in the past, I think because men tend to not be openly asking for it, it can take a while to get that referral through. So I think that's that's probably where I see the biggest gap. 
And then I'd also say that the conversations around sexual health as well don't happen as easily or as quickly as they possibly should. Again, I think it's down to the patient or the carer, as it usually falls on the carer and partner's shoulders to go and educate themselves about that side of the side effects or the treatments and, and ask for more information rather than it being readily available. And then they come um, to you for that. You, you are able to provide that or, or at least um, help them navigate a source. Yes, when, when we had the um, prostate referral pathway in my rehab program, yeah, we were set up really closely with the local hospitals. So if a partner or a carer or even um, the gentleman themselves said anything, then we could refer on to the correct services. We also had a fantastic link with a local prostate cancer support group, a talking therapies group, who we used to signpost a lot of men to who didn't openly discuss things, but seemed that they wanted to, but didn't feel safe in the setting that we were in. So we would encourage them to go there as well. So we were able to signpost um, into the correct services or into the more gentle community-based stuff like talking groups and walking groups for men. Fantastic. I mean, it's it's so inspiring to talk to you about such a positive signposting and positive messages and positive programs for these cancer patients. It's very refreshing and, and I wish you all the best in, in continuing to give men and their partners you know, the benefits of um, your expertise and your enthusiasm. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Further information on support programs like Kirsty's and like Prehab for Cancer is available on our website, along with a transcript of this interview and additional information and interviews, stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.